Welcome! This is the Gender-Based Violence Information Management System, or the GBVIMS, the podcast where we talk about safe, ethical, and useful GBV data management in humanitarian settings. My name is Christy Crabtree, and I'm joined today by Kate Lugu, the Interagency GBVIMS Coordinator. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Christy. So, we're going back to data protection today. We haven't had enough. We've talked about this topic in a few different ways, and we're looking to get more granular to get more specific. What we'd really like to see are fewer bad practices out there. The more we talk about it, bring light to the topic, we're hoping that we'll see less and less of these and we'll see survivor confidentiality reaffirmed in line with our ethical principles. So today we're digging deep into email. We're getting specific on a topic that we've kept very light before. So why exactly are we talking about emails? What's the problem with emails in our setting as it relates to survivor data protection? Well, the short of the problem is that we're spending all this time talking about protecting survivor data and confidentiality, safe data management, safe data storage, all for nothing when we then send emails with identifying information about survivors in it. So Kate, can you give us a couple concrete real life examples of this as a bad practice? I think typically this is unintentional human error or just an unchecked bad practice. Most often what we see is somebody emailing someone else inside their own organization uh, and thinking that that's safe, um, or to another organization with which they are coordinating care for a survivor. But that email includes names, registration numbers, other ID numbers, even addresses and details about the violence. It's a breach of confidentiality when information provided in confidence to you by a survivor is disclosed to someone else without their consent. Or if you do get their consent, they're trusting that you will handle that information in a safe way. And emailing identifying information is not just really unsafe, it's a breach of confidentiality too. Yeah, it's a case of good intention, trying to coordinate care, with really negative consequences. You might have the right intention. It doesn't count though when the outcome is, or even potentially could be, negative for the survivors because the cost is high. So why exactly is email so dangerous? Well, email, the way that we use it, it's simply not secure, full stop. And surprisingly, this still seems to be quite a new concept to a lot of humanitarian actors. Our email systems are unencrypted, the information is not safe to send, um, and it's subject to human error throughout the process. Uh, you can send information to the wrong person, it's easy to forward, and it's really easy to get into. Uh, and we know how much our colleagues in the field like to hit reply all. Uh, plus, you could leave your desk for a minute and I, or anyone else, as we call them, casual intruders can easily open your email and see highly confidential information. Right. And beyond casual intruders, there's also other threats. Uh, I read an analogy somewhere that emails are essentially the online equivalent of a postcard. Um, so think about the postman or post lady seeing that as it goes to the mail. So as an email goes from one system to another, it goes through a number of different servers that can be virtually viewed by anyone with the right know-how. So this puts client information, their confidentiality and privacy at risk. If the data gets into the wrong hands or accidentally goes somewhere it shouldn't, it could mean retribution against the survivor for reporting. It could mean people don't want to seek services if we can't handle confidentiality. It could mean the reputation of the organization is threatened, um, which then further deteriorates help seeking behavior. 
So outside of data security risks, let's talk about the ethical issues with sending client information unsecured via email. Right, so what's so crucial about the social work process is trust. And, and we need to see that as something that permeates all of our actions in our work, whether that's sitting with a survivor or sitting in front of your computer and sending emails right. to colleagues. Survivors that come to seek support or services following violence are doing so on the basis of trust in the relationship with the service provider. And survivors are willing to disclose this intimate level of information about the violence, about the relationships involved, from a really vulnerable position because social work is built off of a foundation of confidentiality and trust. Yeah, they believe the social worker or other service provider will not share their information with others without their consent. So we know why sharing this information, despite good intentions, via email is a bad practice and a possible consequences. But what should we be doing instead? What's really the good practice we should advocate for? Well, there are two issues here. Firstly, confidentiality may not be absolute. I mean, think about uh, mandatory reporting, for example. If someone says that they have an intent to harm someone else, then you know, we know that mandatory reporting is triggered in, in that circumstance. So confidentiality is not absolute. And I think the, the nuance to add here is that social workers have a duty to warn in that case. Mm -hmm. They tell someone about the requirements for mandatory reporting before someone discloses anything so the survivor has the option to report it or not. So if an action requires you to diverge outside the boundaries of normal confidentiality, the survivor needs to know in advance before you do that so they can make the choice. Exactly. It's about the survivor making the choice and controlling their information. And this goes back to the guiding principles of respect and self-determination. The second issue is that we need to have a way of responding to these situations and alternative good practices in place to avoid this. So, Christy, what could we do if, if you see somebody breaching confidentiality through email? Well, I think before any of that happens, the first thing you need to do is know the principles. A lot of people don't even know that this is a bad practice. We are always advocating to have the WHO standards nearby for reference. So know these, refer to them, talk about them, talk about this podcast, talk about and know the guiding principles, of which two are really essential here, confidentiality and respect. So that's step one. Be informed, know the principles. Right, and secondly, if you're unsure what to do, then consult your supervisor. It really doesn't matter how long you've been doing this work. That's why we have supervision to have, uh, to have a dedicated sounding board, somebody that you can always ask for advice. And supervisors can help guide towards better practice. Right, and I would add, thirdly, we need to advocate internally for best practices. It's going to be far more effective to create change within your organization than outside it. So start at home. Stop this practice internally of emailing survivor information. I would add, learn from the mistakes, if you make them. Think about this information as if it were your own information. Would you want your own personal information out there? Find alternative safe ways to communicate and coordinate on care that doesn't involve email because it isn't secure. Maybe in your setting that's finding another encrypted way to send information. And Primero is one good example of this. When we send referrals in the system, or even outside of the system, but originating from Primero, they're encrypted. So this is one example of a really great different solution to emails that can be really facilitated by 
an information system and can help you avoid the practice altogether. So let's wrap this all up. Sending identifying client information, even if you have a positive intention, like coordinating services for a client via email is not safe, period. It's unsafe in terms of casual intruders and those with the technological know-how as well. Uh, more importantly, I would say it's violating our duty in this field to uphold the principles of our work, namely confidentiality and respect. So find an alternative, safe, encrypted way to transfer this information. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. And thanks so much for listening. As always, be responsible with your data and learn more at gbdms.com.